Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today is part three of the first book of Samuel, chapters 21 through 26, and now Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. They knew who he was. They knew he had killed their own giant, Goliath, and he gets afraid. So he changes his behavior before them and he feigns himself as a mad man in their hands. And the Oscar goes to the leading male performance in a historical docudrama goes to David. He was a phenomenal madman. He had, he marked up all the gates and he let spittle run down his beard and he acted crazy. And the king said, whoa, this man is mad. Why did you bring him to me? Do I lack men men in my city? No, get rid of him, get him out. Get, I have plenty of guys like this. This fellow, don't let him come into my house. So David is spared again. David departs from there and he escapes to a cave at Adullam. Now there's Adullam, look at the red arrows, very pretty close to Bethlehem where David is from. And David's brothers and his father's house get word that he's close. And they went down there to him. I'm sure they brought food and provisions. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in doubt and everyone who was discontented gathered to David. Isn't that the crowd you want with you? All those in distress, all those in debt, all those discontented, they all came to David and he became their captain. And there were with David 400 men, 400 discontented, distressed, in debt men. It's kind of like the island of misfit toys. They all come to him, his leadership, his virtue. They've been disgruntled. They've been, uh, Saul has not been a good king. He has not been just, he has not been fair. It reminded me of when Jesus said, come to me all who are labored and heavy burden and I will give you rest. I will give you protection. I will give you rest for your souls. David's that kind of shepherd. They all come to him. And David went from there to Mitzpah of Moab. Now the arrow there shows Moab and Moab, Moabites are enemies of Israel. So David's going into another foreign territory and guess what? He has his mom and dad with him. And he asked the king of Moab, Moab, could my father and mother stay with you until I know what God will do for me? So he's protecting his family as well and his extended family. And he left his parents with the king of Moab and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now, how in the world? David's parents are from Jesse. They're Jesse from Bethlehem and his wife, and they're going to take refuge in Moab with the Moabites? Are you kidding me? How could this possibly be? How could they find refuge in the hostile Moab nation, this family? Well, you might remember a certain Moabite. We started the study off with her. Her name was Ruth. Remember? They have family there. Ruth was a Moabite, and that's David's great-grandma. And now they can call in a favor. Her name was Ruth. She was the great-grandmother of David, the grandmother of Jesse. And because Ruth's family connection, David's parents will seek refuge in Moab, and they will become refugees in Moab. 
David's parents, refugees in Moab. What's a refugee? I looked up a definition. A person who has been forced to leave their country in order to escape war, persecution, or natural disaster. So David's parents are refugees now in Moab. Now, the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David is told by a man of God, and he listens, and David departs. He's obedient. And he goes to the forest of Hereth. And the forest of Hereth is here, a little south of Jerusalem. And the forest of Hereth, he'll go. The prophet told him he'll obey. Now Saul heard that David was discovered and the men who were with him, the 400 misfits. And Saul was sitting with Gehiba, uh, at Gehiba under a tamarisk tree at the height with his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. Now remember all we learned about the Benjamite tribe? Will this son of Jesse, a Judahite, is what he's saying, give every one of you fields and vineyards? Is he going to make you all commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, uh, that all of you have conspired against me? No one discloses to me when my son makes a league with the son of Jesse. None of you were sorry for me or disclosed to me that my son Jonathan had stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as this day. And the high priest Ahimelech answered the king, And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? Who is the captain of the king's bodyguard? Who is honored in the king's house? Is today the first time that I have inquired to God for him? No, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of this, much or little. And King Saul said, to the high priest of Israel, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's house. The king said to the guard who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord because their hand was in this also with David. They knew that he fled and they did not disclose it to me, but the servants of King Saul would not put forth their hand to kill the priests of the Lord. His own servants knew better, but someone else stepped forward and it was Doag the Edomite that we learned about before, that had overheard the conversation. He's an informant. He's a spy. For Saul, you turn and fall upon the priests. And Doag the Edomite turned and fell upon the priests. And Doag killed on that day 85 priests who wore their linen ephods. The knob and the city of the priest, Doag put to the sword, men, women, children, sucklings, that's babies at the breast, oxen, asses, sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech escaped. His name was Abathar. He escaped and he fled to tell David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And David said to Abathar, I knew on that day when Doag, the Edomite, was there, that he surely would tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, fear not, for he that seeks my life seeks your life as well, and you will be in safekeeping with me. Now, this sounds horrible, but it will fulfill a prophecy about Eli's household. Remember Eli? These priests are of his family line, and it was foretold that Eli's house would fall. That prophecy has been fulfilled. 85 innocent priests of the Lord and family slaughtered by Doeg the Edomite at the command of King Saul of Israel. The king of Israel killing the priests of Israel is an abomination to the Lord. 
And David is, is hiding, and he writes Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, the ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. He delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers all out of them, all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. One line from this Psalm 34 will be prophetic, a messianic message about Jesus. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken on the cross when they pass by him and do not break his bones. Now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting at Kehilah now, and they're robbing the threshing room floor. So David prays. He turns to the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines, Lord? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kehilah. But David's men said to him, behold, we're afraid. We're afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Kehilah against the armies of the Philistines? So David went back to the Lord to make sure he had heard the Lord right. He goes and prays again. He inquires of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him again, Arise and go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And so David and his men go, and they fought the Philistines, and they brought away their cattle. They made a great slaughter. David delivered the inhabitants of the town. And Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, the only priest left, fled to David. He came down with an ephod in his hand as part of the priestly garment. Saul said, God, and, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand. He has shut himself up by entering a town with gates and bars. Saul thinks, I've got him now. He's contained in this city. He has a city wall. He has gates and bars. I've got him. I've got him trapped. Saul summoned the people to war, to go down to Kahila to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Now, all the priests, but one is dead. David has eaten the holy bread. That's the food of the high priest, five loaves. And now David is asking for an ephod, the dress of a priest. It's a linen garment woven in one piece. Jesus had one on the night of the last, uh, when he washed the feet of the disciples, the night of the last supper. David is really acting like a priest here. Exodus 28 tells us all about the ephod. It's part of the vestments of the priesthood. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, the servant, thy servant has surely heard that Saul has come to Kehilah to destroy the city on my account? Will the men of Kehilah surrender me into Saul's hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said to David, he will come down. And he said, they will surrender you into his hand. That was David's clue that he had to leave again. And David and his men were about 600 now. They arose and they departed from there and they went wherever they could go. So you see the red arrow is where they were. And now Saul is told that David has escaped and he gives up the expedition. And David remained in the stronghold in the wilderness, in the country, the country of the wilderness of Zip. You see the red arrow? Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. And David was afraid because Saul came out to seek his life. Saul, the king, has come. He has joined the expedition to seek the life of David. Now, guess who else came? Jonathan. 
his best friend, his best friend forever friend, his covenant friend, Saul's son. He rose and he went to David at Horish and he was strengthened in God's hand. You know, when a friend of this magnitude comes in your time of deepest trouble and they have this covenant friendship, it strengthened David. It emboldened him. They were best friends forever, covenant friends. And Jonathan said to David, fear not. The hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I will be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this and the two of them again made a covenant before the Lord. And then David remains there and Jonathan goes home. They had the deepest covenant friendship. Jonathan has surrendered the kingship. It should be the firstborn son, Jonathan, but he knows David has the anointing of the Lord. This is the greatest degree of friendship and Jonathan has just strengthened David in the hand of God. I imagine they prayed together. They both worshiped the same Lord. And then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gehiba and said, does not David hide among us in the stronghold at Horish on the hill south? Now come, O king, according to your heart's desire, come. And our part shall be to surrender him. We're going to surrender David into the king's hand. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord. You have had compassion on me. Go yet make sure now that you know the place where he's at, who has seen him there. He's very, very cunning. And he lurks in places where he hides. And then come back to me with the information. Now, Saul has called David cunning, clever, and lurking. And if you remember an Edomite king, Herod, of the Jews at the time of Christ, he told the three kings, you go find him and then come back and tell me so that I might go and pay him homage. It just had that same spiritual sense for me. For it was told that David is very cunning. And therefore, take note of all the lurking places that he hides and then come back to me with the information and then I'll go. And if he is in the land, I'll search him out with all the thousands in Judah. So David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon. And this is what it looks like. This is where they were. How do they get food? How do they get water? How do they get supplies? Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, therefore, he went down to the rock, which is in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard of that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. This is what it looks like. Saul was on one side of the mountain. David was on the other side of the mountain. And David was making haste to get away from Saul. And Saul and his men were closing in on David. And a messenger came to Saul and said, make haste and come. The Philistines have made a raid upon the land. So Saul returned from, he had to return from pursuing David. He had to go up against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. Again, David's been saved by the skin of his teeth. Saul has been diverted to another battle. And that place is there to this day, and it's called the Rock of Escape. And David went from there, and he dwelt in the strongholds of the En Gedi. And there's the En Gedi near the Dead Sea. And Saul returned from battling those Philistines, and he is told that David is in the wilderness, in the En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men. Okay, David has 600, right? Of the, of the disgruntled, the misfits, no armor, you know. And, and Saul has 3,000 of his chosen men to go seek David. And they are in front of what's called the wild goat's rock. It's still there to this day. And yes, there are wild goats there. And Saul came to the sheepfolds. By the way, there was a cave. And Saul had to go into the cave to relieve himself. Do you know what that means, everybody? He has to relieve himself. Now, David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of that very cave. They're back deeper into the cave. And the men of David say to David, here's the day, here's the day, here's the day the Lord has said, behold, I'm going to give the enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as you see fit, whatever seems good to you. The Lord has delivered Saul, your enemy, right into your lap. And David arose 
and stealthily cut off, as quiet as he could, like a stealth bomber, he stealthily cut off the skirt of Saul's robe, one little corner. And David wrote, and I just wanted to show you some paintings of this. When you relieve yourself, you need to take off your armor. You're vulnerable. And then you might take a little nap because he's been on all these, hunt these fighting expeditions. He's tired. He might say, just a 10-minute nap. Just let me lay down a minute. So different artists imagine it different ways. But David was able to cut a piece of his robe. He could have killed him. And all he did was cut off a little piece of Saul's robe. That's all he did. And even after David did that, just cut off a little piece of his robe, his heart smote him. He was so convicted. He felt so horrible. His heart smote him because he had cut off a piece of Saul's skirt. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do anything to my Lord. The Lord's anointed to put forth my hand against Saul, saying that he is the anointed of the Lord. He felt so guilty. He was so convicted that he had done anything against the king of Israel. Because Saul was the Lord's anointed. Samuel had anointed him. The people wanted a king, and this is who Samuel anointed. With the Lord's approval, the Lord anointed. And the word for anointed in Hebrew is Mashiach. David's thinking he could be the anointed one of the Lord. He could be the Mashiach. You know what that is? The anointed one? In English, it's the Messiah. What if Saul's the anointed one? What if Saul's the Messiah and I kill him? He's the Mashiach. He's the anointed one of the Lord. And David's heart smote him for even thinking of doing such a thing. Maybe he's the one from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman that's going to save us. Saul was anointed by the prophet of God, Samuel. Saul is God's anointed. What if Saul is the Mashiach, the Messiah, the seed? The seed predicted in 3.15 of Genesis. So David felt very bad, and David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way without even knowing anything happened. But afterwards, David rose up, and he went out of the cave, and he called after Saul, and he said, My Lord, the king! And Saul looked up behind him, and David bowed his face to the earth and paid him obeisance, paid him homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks you hurt? Lo, this day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you, Saul, right into my hands in the cave. And some bade me to kill you, but I spared you, Saul. I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's Mashiach. He is the Lord's Messiah. He is the Lord's anointed one. See my father, see the skirt of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the skirt of your robe and did not kill you, that you may know that there is no wrong, no treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt to take my life. David was a man of virtue and Saul was a man of vices. May the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge me upon you. May my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand, Saul, will not be against you. Let the Lord decide. Let the Lord be the judge. Let the Lord give sentence between you and I. And David had finished speaking, and Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. He wept. He knew it was true. He knew David was a man of virtue. He knew David was God's new anointed one. The spirit of the Lord convicted Saul's heart that David was right, and he wept. Saul said to David, You are more righteous than I. You have repaid me good where I repaid you evil. You have declared this day how you have dealt with me. You did not kill me when the Lord put me right into your hands. 
For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you, David, for the good that you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you surely will be the king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. The Lord has convicted him with that knowledge. Swear to me before the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, that you will not destroy the name of our father's house. And David swore this to Saul. And Saul went home and David went with his men up to the stronghold. And now we see Samuel dies. The prophet Samuel will die. All the people will come out to mourn him. He will be buried at Ramah. His tomb is still there to this day. And David rose and went back to the wilderness at Paran. There was a man in Maon. His business was up in Carmel. He was very, very rich. He had 3,000 sheep. He had 1,000 goats. That's rich. He was shearing them up in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal. Now in Hebrew, Nabal means fool. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And in Hebrew, Abigail means cause of joy or my father's joy. And the woman Abigail was of good understanding and very beautiful. But the man Nabal was churlish and ill-behaved and he was a Calebite. Now a Calebite would have been from the tribe of Caleb. They are Judahites. Um, but Nabal is very churlish. My translation said he was churlish. And I looked up churlish, and it means he had a very bad disposition, surly, harsh, rude, and boorish. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing sheep. So David sent 10 young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, greet him in my name, salute him, tell him, peace be with you. Peace be to your house. Peace be to all that you have. I have heard that you have shearers and, and that your shepherds, they've been with us. We did them no harm. We stole nothing from them. They missed nothing. All the time they were in Carmel, my men were camping next to them. We never touched them. In fact, we protected them. Your men, ask them, they'll tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. We come on a feast day. And on a feast day, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of food. Pray, give whatever you have to the hand of your servant, to your son, David. They're, his men are hungry. David's young men come. They say this to Nabal in the name of David, and they wait. And Nabal answered David's men, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Well, he's a Calebite. He's a Judahite. He knows who David is. He knows he's the kid who slayed Goliath of Gath and saved the Israelites. He knows exactly who he is. There are many servants nowadays who are breaking away from their masters. Now he's calling David a slave, a servant. And he added great insult to David. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed and my shearers and give them to you? I don't know where you come from. David's young men go back and tell David what Nabal had said. And David said to his men, every man gird his sword. Every man girded his sword. David was so angry. He took 400 men, left 200 back with the baggage. And David is ready to slaughter Nabal, his family, the animals, everything. He is so angry. David sent messengers out to the wilderness. They all outfitted and Abigail gets wind of this, his wife. The men were very good to us, Abigail. We suffered not under them. Nabal has offended David. She is told about this. And so, now therefore know this, consider what you do. Evil is determined against our master Nabal and against his whole house. He was so ill-natured. No one can even speak to him. So Abigail makes haste. She packs up 200 loaves of bread, 
two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five measures of parched grain, hundreds of clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs. She had those all ready for the feast, and she's going to take them to David. She loads them up on the donkey and, and has some of her men go before her. And Abigail did not tell her husband Nabal that she was doing this. She rides off on the ass, and under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men are coming towards her. She meets them in the road, and David said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, and he has nothing of all miss that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. He's getting angrier and angrier by the moment. God do so to David, and more also, if by tomorrow morning I leave as much as one male of all that belonged to Nabal. And when Abigail saw David, she made haste, she alighted off the donkey, she fell down on her face and bowed to the ground before David. And she fell at his feet and she said, let oh upon me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Pray that your handmaiden may speak in your ear that I may tell you the word of your handmaiden. Let not my Lord regard this ill-natured fellow Nabal. His name is as he is, fool. Nabal is his name, folly is with him. But I am your handmaid. I didn't see the young men that my Lord sent. Now my Lord, please, as, you, as the Lord lives and as your your soul lives, seeing the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from taking vengeance into your own hands. Now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present which I have brought my Lord be given to your young men and, and to you my Lord. Pray forgive our trespass, the trespass of your handmaiden for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord of fighting the battles of the Lord evil shall not be bound in you as long as you live. So what Abigail is doing is keeping David from mortal sin. If he goes in a wrath of anger, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And if he goes in a wrath of anger and wipes out the whole town, he will have blood guilt on his hands. He'll be guilty of the mortal sin thou shalt not kill. And so she is saving him. Abigail is saving him. And she will be rewarded for that. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. We hear it time and time again in the Old Testament, and uh, David would have known those scriptures. So Abigail is protecting David, and David sees her goodness, and she says, just remember me down the road. And so she keeps David from the blood guilt, and David receives the gifts from her hand. Go in peace. He does not wipe out the city. Abigail comes to Nabal, and he's holding a big feast like a king, and he's drunk. And she doesn't want to tell him what happened. She'll wait, and he'll let him sleep it off. She'll tell him in the morning. And in the morning, she tells Nabal. And his heart died within him, and he became like a stone. And in 10 days, the, he is dead. Now, Abigail is a beautiful young widow. She has helped David. She has saved him from blood guilt. And David makes Abigail his second wife. He woos Abigail. He takes her as his wife. At the same time, he takes another woman from the Jezreel Valley as his wife, and he already has a wife named Michal, the son of Saul. So now David has three wives, but he finds out he'll take uh, Ahinoam of Jezreel. So now he has three wives, and these women are treated as bargaining chips in that time, in that place, and it would have been a great honor to be the wife of the king because you know you have food, you know you have protection. So Abigail does become his wife, but 
Mikhail, he'll, he'll take up to eight wives as we go through his life and several concubines. Then we find out at the end of the chapter that Saul's daughter, Mikhail, has been taken back and given to someone else. So she is a wife of someone else now too. And so women were treated as political bargaining chips at this time. But Abigail, Abigail, the handmaid of David becomes his wife, and she is a Proverbs 31 woman like Ruth. She's a woman of virtue and a wise woman. So let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we praise you and thank you, and we are so thankful for the Eucharist, which means thankful. And when we can remember this holy bread, this bread of the presence, this bread of your face that David ate today for sustenance, Thank you for that holy bread that you still are with us to this day, that you never left us, you never will leave us, that you're always in the bread of the presence. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. That was part three of the first book of Samuel, chapters 21 through 26, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.